from the field to the film room to the war room. We've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the BGN Draft Show. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at ShaneHalfNFL. I'm joined today by my co-host and fellow draft enthusiast, Dives. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. Be sure to check out his podcast, Party on Broad, and all the videos he's putting out on the BGN YouTube page about the draft. Dives, how are you doing today? Dude, it is officially Senior Bowl week, Tuesday, January 30th, man. Practice number one. Day number one is in the books, man. Uh, Couldn't be better, man. Let's do this. Absolutely. Uh, And we are going to be doing a Senior Bowl winners and losers next week on on the podcast. We're going to take a brief break from our positional rankings. We will recap all things Senior Bowl next week. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm also joined by my co-host on Chalk Talk, Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Be sure to check out his Tough Cover radio show every Saturday. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, it, it feels like I'm fully focused on the draft at this point. So, you know, especially we, we have this week off with no football at all. It's the first weekend without football since before the season. So all the more reason to, to you know, crunch some tape, especially when we're talking interior defensive linemen. That doesn't if that doesn't get you going. I don't know what does, especially if you're an Eagles fan over the last couple of years, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So uh spoiler alert how we structure the positional rankings here we tried to go with some of the positions that are a little less likely early on uh gives us more time to get more data get more senior bowl things but uh you know that's why we started with quarterback on the defensive line but you can never discount the eagles taking an interior defensive lineman in the first round of the draft for the third year in a row so uh we'll talk about some of these guys and we'll, we'll see where we fall out. So we're going to do our top five. We'll give some honorable mentions. Uh, We are a little more diverse than we were with the quarterbacks in terms of who we have. uh, Although our top two are universally the same. So dives, I'm going to throw it to you first here. Who is number one uh, in your interior defensive lineman rankings? Absolutely. It's Johnny Newton out of Illinois, man. Uh, He kind of came into this season as a bonafide uh, first round pick. He ended 2023 as a top 10, top 15 selection. He's currently number 14 on my big board. Um, this guy is ridiculously strong and stout at the point of attack against the run. Um, he has no issues getting off blocks as a pass rusher. He's got a nice pass rush uh, skills um, repertoire to get to the quarterback um he's got really good bend for a defensive tackle uh he's got an explosive first step um i feel like every time i watch this guy uh and mark and i watch college football every single week uh he was on a a difficult team there in illinois and but it didn't matter double team double teams he was still you know putting up sacks every single week and um he i think this guy is a defensive line coach's dream with his hot motor and relentless pursuit and uh, his ability uh, to cause havoc, pressure the quarterback in that backfield. Uh, negative wise, he doesn't have great size. Uh, that That's a, obviously the standout. Um, and definitely keep an eye on him during the upcoming scouting combine. He, he might have shortish arms. Uh, so yeah, that shortish um, stature could, 
lead to him struggling to uh, hold his ground against double teams at the NFL level. Um, but overall, man, this guy is an upfield defensive lineman. I see this guy as a pass rush weapon in a 4-3 defense at the next level. I think scheme will be important for this guy. But again, he's number 14 on my big board. I would be shocked if he goes past the top, top 20 picks in this draft. He's a clear number one pick or number one defensive tackle at this position for me. I think there's a there's a bit of like for you know recent comp, there's a bit of Clyde Jacancy in him. Yeah. Just the undersized, good pass rusher. Uh and I think he's a better run defender than Cancy was. Like he's strong at the point of attack. And I think against single blocks, he does a good job of standing those up and you know, doing the stack and shed. He can make plays in his gap. But you mentioned it, like the double teams are an issue, and I think it's probably due to his arm length. He's not able to keep those guys locked out, but uh, he's a really good pass rusher. Uh, he has a lot of tools in the tool chest as a pass rusher. He can win with power, speed, technique. He's got a nice cross chop move. Uh, he's got a good swim move. So uh, as as I watch him a little bit, I, I do think I, I am reminded of shades of Kalijah Kansi from a year ago, who I had a first round grade on. Uh, I also have a first round grade on Newton here. I think you mentioned it. I think he could play in like an odd front as a four eye or a five technique, but his bread and butter, like his best fit's going to be in an even front, a, a four three type team uh, where he can play three technique and just penetrate upfield in that in that Fletcher Cox role uh, for some team running a, an even front. So I think that's where you want him to be. How, how big for you guys is the gap between one and two here on, on your rankings? Um, I will look at this right now. I have Johnny Newton, number 14, and then I have Byron Murphy, number 28. Spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah, I have I have Newton. I don't have him stacked yet in that way, but I have a first I'm I have a first on him and a fringe first on Murphy. So Okay, yeah, I was curious because I think going into the process, and I don't know if this is a segue into number two for dives, but um, going into the process, I think I thought that the that the gap was a little bigger than I now think it is. I, I think I thought, you know, when we were first kicking it around, we we obviously all ended up having Newton at number one, and I still have Newton at number one. But I was, you know, going through it and and watching some of the next guy's stuff. I don't think that there's a huge gap. And if someone out there had our number two guy at number one, I wouldn't think it was that crazy anymore. Okay. All right. Well, that does kind of lead us into it. We've all but said his name. Actually, we've said his name. But uh, <laughs> number two on the board for all of us is Byron Murphy or the second. It's not junior. I keep wanting to say junior. Uh, Byron Murphy the second out of Texas. Uh, Dives, I'll throw it to you here first for him again. Uh Tell us what you like about Byron Murphy. Yeah, man. One of the most physical and strongest prospects in the entire draft. That That's how big this guy is. Uh, he was named Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year. First team, all Big 12. According to PFF, 45 pressures, six sacks across 273 patch rush snaps last year. Uh, among 219 FBS defensive tackles to play at least 400 snaps last year. He had the second best overall PFF grade, 20th best run defensive grade, and best pass rushing grade. There have been people that have gone up against Byron Murphy 
uh, and said, that guy is strong as hell, man. He, he beats people up. Um, but you talk about strengths, excellent explosiveness off the line, uh, relentless motor, uh, consistently causes havoc in opposing backfields, really good agility. Um, I, I think his bread and butter is a, uh, rushing the passer. Um, he, he, he has natural leverage and balance. Um, and he takes on double teams really well, despite only being what, like six foot one, um, because of that play strength, because of his hands and how strong they are. And, and then you get to like weaknesses, uh, obviously just like Johnny Newton doesn't have ideal height, uh, doesn't have ideal arm length, uh, has limited snap volume. There's a guy that's played a lot of, has been in a rotation at Texas quite a bit, doesn't have a lot of bend, um, and he needs to do, he needs to improve his pass rush repertoire at the next level. But like this guy's ceiling is a pass rushing three technique. I, I think he's got a ridiculously high floor, uh, to be a situational pass rusher, uh, who, who possibly comes off during running downs. Um, there's a lot to like about Byron Murphy. Um, he has the upside absolutely to be a three down player. Um, his anchor is going to be tested at the next level. Um, but he's also a versatile defensive lineman that can play anywhere across the line, which is definitely where the, the modern NFL is kind of moving towards anyway. Um, I, like Mark said, I used to have a day two grade on Byron Murphy, but like the more I kind of like watched him play, um, and the more you read about him and learn about him, like he definitely carries first round buzz and, um, I, I would be shocked if he goes before Johnny Newton, but um, absolutely day one great. All right. Mark, you indicated that the gap between these guys is pretty small for you. Uh, you want to talk about Murphy a little bit? What what makes him so close to Newton for you? Kind of just how he grades out. He, he had a 91.5 pass rush grade for PFF, a 20.1% pass rush win rate, which was the best among interior defensive linemen. And even – you know, I think that there is a narrative that he's pretty much just a pass rushing D tackle and maybe not going to be a guy who is a big cog in the run game. Didn't grade out poorly in that either, though. 80.5 uh, run D grade, nine and a half percent run stop rate, which isn't great, but it's not bad either. Um, and he also combined that with sack production with hurries this year um, in 2023 and a bit of a breakout season. Um, it, it feels to me like he kind of has everything you you want besides the height uh obviously like in terms of grading out well stopping the run grading out incredibly well uh you know in terms of pass rushing having sack production having hurries you know it, it feels like he also was a part of an extremely you know successful unit at texas the defensive line was probably their best unit uh, among anything uh, out there at texas this year on a team that made the college football playoff um, but Byron Murphy's a guy who uh, I definitely – this is less of a – I think when you watch Newton on tape compared to Murphy on tape, Newton jumps out a little bit more. The athleticism kind of jumps off the page a little bit more with Newton. With Murphy, it's kind of the stuff in terms of how he's graded out and those those win rate numbers that make you yeah. think like, wow, is this guy – am I not capturing how good this guy is with my eyes because of how well he's grading out? Yeah, yeah we've, we've talked around him as a run defender, 
Uh, I think his he's got a really explosive first step, and I think that helps him as a run defender because his go-to, like, he tries to knife into a gap to disrupt run plays in the backfield. It's less so like just shutting your guy to just trying to beat him into the gap. And I do think he, he plays with really good leverage when he's not able to do that, and he can sort of create or generate horizontal displacement in the running game when he can't penetrate that gap. But kind of like we talked about with Newton, the short arms, the short stature, those tools don't help you out when you're having to take on double teams. So whereas I do think Newton could kick out to like a four eye or, or five technique in a odd front, I really don't think that's the case with Byron Murphy. I think he's pretty exclusively a three technique and even front. Uh, like I said, I've kind of got a fringe first round grade on him right now, and th- those may adjust over time. So by the time we circle back to our final big board show and stuff, it'll be interesting to see how I moved on some of these guys. But uh, right now I wouldn't blink at taking him in the, at the end of the first round, uh, not for the Eagles, obviously, but in general. So, okay. So that gets us through our top two guys here. Uh, number one, we're universally Johnny Newton. Number two, Byron Murphy at number three is where it starts to get, a little interesting. So we've got some different guys coming onto the board here. Uh, so Mark, I'm going to throw it to you first here. Uh, who is the number three guy on your board? For me at number three, I'm staying at the same school as our number two, which is pretty crazy to have two of the top three um, interior defensive linemen on my board from the same school. But I have Tavondre Sweat at a number three. This dude's just a mountain of a man. I mean, he's 6'4", 362, and that's alleged. Uh, Today at the Senior Bowl, he did not weigh in, um, which, you know, that's going to add some intrigue to him at the Combine a little bit, and apparently he did look really big. (laughs) People speculated that he was bigger than that 6'4", 362, and that's maybe why he didn't want to weigh in. But then there was also reports that he looked pretty good. Um, So maybe this is just the type of guy who – can carry that weight on his frame. And it's not like he's six foot one weighing this. He is six foot four. So this is just a a huge human being in 2023. He had two sacks with 26 hurries, uh, one sack and 20 hurries in 2022 and 2021 combined Um, over the last three years, his PFF grades 91.7 after 79.5 and 71.8. So you would say that, his 2023 was definitely a breakout in terms of production and also in terms of how he graded out. Something that you guys know I love when we talk about defensive linemen is batted balls down at the line of scrimmage. It's something that I always go nuts for, and this guy does it in spades. Six batted balls in 2023, five in 2022, three in 2021. That's a pretty absurd amount for an interior defensive lineman. Uh, and also, you look at the 92 grade that he had in terms of the run D 12.8% run stop rate an 85.3 pass rush grade 15.3% pass rush win rate. Um, The sack production hasn't necessarily matched any of those numbers and how good it looks like he should be. And even when you watch tape, he gets in your face and it just feels like he's not finishing those plays. Maybe that's something he needs to work on. Maybe that's 
a conditioning thing. I, I don't quite know, um, but he's creating havoc. He's just not finishing havoc um, quite often enough. But to me, I'm willing to take a chance uh, on a guy like this. He's an absolute freak. You don't get many options like this. Like most of the guys we're going to talk about, or at least are on my list, are relatively undersized for the defensive tackle position. Whereas this guy's like the super size me uh, edition uh, of the defensive <laughs> tackle position. Yeah, hundredth uh, percentile weight, reportedly. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. He we'll might, see. He might be the hundred ten percentile. We don't. <laughs> We're pushing the boundaries here. Um, but yeah, he also. I don't. I don't think he said this. He won the Outland Trophy, which goes to the mm-hmm. best interior lineman, whether it be offensive or defensive. So, uh, really intriguing prospect. Uh, I had him as number five. Um, I. I still I know he graded out well as a pass rusher. He was PFF's ninth greatest, ninth highest graded interior defensive line pass rusher. I still have questions about that. Like I have questions about his ability to consistently play high snap counts in the NFL because yep. he seemed to run out of steam at times. Um he doesn't really have a go-to pass rush move. He just kind of tries to push the pocket. Uh mm-hmm. and I I honestly I don't I don't really understand why he's graded so highly as a pass rusher by PFF. And he's a guy that I will dig more into because if he could check the pass rusher box more for me, I could move him up. But right now I just kind of see him as a nose tackle. That's a really good run defender and he's a solid player. Um, And he does have a good, you know, he's got a good first step, but I just don't see the pass rush plan. And, you know, Jordan Davis obviously went, in the first round a couple of years ago to the Eagles. And I was high on him. He was seventh on my big board, but I just don't know that there's that same athletic profile. Like Jordan Davis was generational athleticism as well. So it, you know, if sweat tests that way, then maybe I would pull him up higher. But for now, that's my concern with him is I just, I don't, what I watch doesn't really mesh with what like PFF graded in terms of pass rushing. And that's my biggest concern. It dives where are you at with, with sweat? I like him a lot. Um, it's interesting you brought up the name Jordan Davis because um, the biggest knock on Tavondre Sweat is inconsistency. Um, and you look at Jordan Davis this year, I mean, he just fell off a cliff. Obviously, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, there are times when Tavondre Sweat looked like the best player on the football field that uh, it for Texas this year. He was dominant. And then there are times like you forgot he was in the game. Um, so obviously he needs to improve his consistency uh, in a big way. Uh, obviously you have the weight management. He needs to keep an eye on that, keeping optimal weight <laughs> moving forward. Uh, but I, I like the way he plays, man. He's mean, he's violent, he's physical. He can collapse a pocket. Uh, you, you, on tape, you see him like chase down screens and make tackles. Like um, there's a lot to like about Tavondre Sweat, but that three down potential at the next level is a big question. Uh, so kind of circling back to Jordan Davis, uh, I fully agree, Shane. I don't think he's nearly the athlete of Jordan Davis because I remember him in the combine, like he was blowing things up. I think he already ran like a 505 40 yard dash. Um, but Tavondre Sweat, day two, great value. Yeah. yeah, I think the difference is Jalen Carter was being talked about as a top 10 pick, whereas this guy's kind of a guy you'll invest probably a, a late second, early third in. So I, I don't think him being a rotational defensive lineman is as much of a 
death sentence uh, as it felt like taking a guy in the top 10 um, who maybe will never be a pass rusher. Also, I don't think Jordan Davis ever had 26 hurries in a season. Um, he, whereas Devondre Sweat did have 26 hurries this year, 46 hurries over his, over his time there. Um, and I do think a lot of that, Shane is right. I don't think he's got a refined set of moves. I think a lot of that is just him shoving guys down and, yeah. and trampling over them to get into the pocket. And I think that happened a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a question I had to answer for myself as I was like, why do I why do I have this guy so much lower than I had Davis? Because I've got him as like a second, third, you know, day two guy. And I think that's just kind of what I came to eventually was maybe a little bit of improving, learning something from that evaluation and a little bit of, you know, it was just it was it was also the athleticism that I don't think Sweat has quite as much of. But maybe he does. We'll see. I think part of what I always kind of got a, a upset with with the Jordan Davis thing is I don't know how much of that athleticism mattered or, or was like functional like does it matter if if Jordan Davis can jump far or can run for long stretches of time when he's never going to be asked to do that like he I, I mean the one play against Josh Allen on the side <laughs> like, <laughs> like and, and people it, it ended that. his season he was done he never showed up yeah again after that people <laughs> love that play so much if you go back and watch it there's a guy like who I think Josh Allen would have got like three more yards. Like there's a guy like coming over. It's a linebacker. Like and it's going towards the sideline anyway. Like people love have that. About Mark, have you so. seen the Eagles linebackers try to tackle? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I think it was Josh Allen like a force out of bounds. Josh thing, Allen but... might have gotten like seventy more yards, and the yeah. crazy thing is they were only twenty yards from the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first play that popped in my head when you said that, Mark. That's I knew I knew as soon as you held your finger up that you and I were thinking the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's that's a good good point. It's always interesting to kind of tie these evals back into, you know, previous evals, especially guys that e- the Eagles ended up selecting. So it's it uh, it kind of it's not to shift positions, but it reminds me of wide receivers. I always get annoyed during the draft process, but there's always one guy who the draft nerds, including us, you know, fall in love with because they're so strong. I remember Jalen Rager got a lot of that. It's like, oh, he's just so strong. And then and then uh, I, Traylon Burks got a good amount of that. It's like, man, that guy just <laughs> don't so say that strong. name on this podcast. <laughs> and no, it's just funny because I'm just like, does, does being strong as a wide receiver actually matter? Like, I, I don't know. I'm sure it has some benefits for sure, but like. There's some there's sometimes I think we get we get carried away with some things like that. Yeah. I was people came after me on Twitter for mentioning that uh, I had sorry. Kyle Hamilton number one on my big board. And I also added myself. They're like, why don't you ever point out the ones you missed? And I was like, it's all in the publicly accessible stuff. I would recommend yeah. you start with my trail on Burke's wide receiver one propaganda because mm. that's pretty embarrassing in hindsight. But uh I'm still that, a believer. He's going to get a good connection with Will Levis. I can, I can feel it. Yeah, so, okay. that guy's that guy's the worst. That's all. That's my comment. <laughs> on, on all right, let's keep it rolling here. We're going to go to my number three guy. Uh, he is also on Dives list. I believe it was at number four. Uh, that is Leonard Taylor the third out of the University of Miami. Uh, Taylor was a five-star recruit. Played in nine games as a freshman, and he recorded 21 tackles and two sacks. Uh, In 2022, he had 24 tackles, three sacks, and an interception. And then this season, he had 20 tackles, 
21 pressures, one sack. He had an 82.1 pass rush grade per PFF. He's like the first normally sized defensive tackle we're going to talk about. 6'3", which is 41st percentile. 305 pounds, which is 78th percentile. So we're kind of like in the avoiding those outer quartiles for the first time in this podcast. Uh, Watching Taylor, I think he's really quick off the ball. Uh, He has rare bursts for his size. And I feel like he's an instinctual run defender. And he's got a really strong lower body. And he can anchor. uh, He's got the leverage to shed blocks and make plays. And then as a pass rusher, he's just got a great motor. Uh, he gets, you know, he can get coverage sacks because he's just relentless uh, trying to rush the passer. Now, it, you got to point out that his 2022 tape was better than his 2023 tape. He added weight and it helped him against the run. Like that was one of the weaknesses of him in 2022 against the run, added some weight. Behold, you're better against the run, but it cost you some athleticism. So that may be something that teams have to consider. Do we want him to drop weight and be a better pass rusher? Do we want him to play at this weight? And it's going to cost us pass rushing, uh, but he can be a better run defender. And I think that depends on what scheme he gets drafted into. If you're going to draft him as a three-tech and an even front, you probably want him to drop the weight. If you want him to be a four-eye and an odd front, you probably want him to be a little better run defender so he can two-gap a little bit. Um, I do think uh, he also gets his pad level too high at times. It makes it easier for offensive linemen to control him. And he, he's got poor gap discipline in the run games at times. It's like he wants to make a play so bad he'll end up out of his run fit and allow cutback lanes. Uh, I mentioned he was a five-star recruit. He just never really produced at a high level. Like He's a better – he's a five-star recruit who's a better pass rusher than run defender, but he's only got six sacks in his career. So I've got him as a second-round guy. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. He's just a guy that's never like completely put it all together, but you can see the universe where it comes together. And he's a really good player uh, rushing from the interior. It's just not there yet. Uh, Dives, you had him. I think he was number four for you. Uh, what do you see when you look at Leonard Taylor? I like him a lot. Uh, you're talking about probably one of the bigger boomer bust prospects in this draft. Uh, really high upside. Um, you know, I'm glad you brought up 2022 because his 2022 tape is so much better than his 2023. It's night and day. Um, great frame, great explosiveness, plays with a violent play style. Um, you know, I, I think wherever he goes, he needs to go to a good culture, uh, a good locker room to kind of harness uh, a good defensive coordinator, defensive line coach to kind of harness like his upside. Um, because I mean, I see him as a first set, uh, early second round pick. His upside is crazy. And if it all comes together, um, and we see that 2022 Leonard Taylor, uh, watch out. Uh, that's definitely a guy to watch out. I think you hit on all the points. All right. Uh, in that case, let's go to our next guy. Uh, Real- Mark, I believe this is your number four. Uh, who do you have at number four? Before I before I get to my my number four real quick, I just want to say I don't have Leonard Taylor on my list, and I, I feel like yearly we have a couple guys. I don't get it. I, I, don't, I don't really get it. I don't get the Leonard Taylor thing. Um, maybe I haven't watched enough of his 2022 tape. Maybe that is the problem. Maybe I've watched too much yeah. 2023. Um, but it, to me, it seems like he's got no pass rush moves. Um, I, I don't really think he he just 
didn't really impress me. Not a lot of hurries, obviously very little sack production. And then he graded out horribly in, in terms of the run run de- defense. Definitely the worst of any of the people we're talking about here. 64.4 PFF uh, run defense grade, 6.6 run stop rate. I feel like he's just like uh, people People are freaking out because he's a, bit, he's a great athlete and he was like a high high school prospect. So I yeah. feel like there is certain guys like this who get – benefits of the doubt and sometimes i think it pays out in betting on high school prospects who maybe didn't pan out in college to me it feels like he's listed above guys that i just think showed a lot more than him and one of those guys who is not listed by either of you so you know you take one guy off the list that both you guys have for me i have to throw someone in there who neither of you guys have it's brandon Dorless, um defensive tackle from oregon um and there's some kind of i think some disagreement on what he's going to be at the next level if he's a defensive tackle if he's an edge to me i think he's a defensive tackle um he had his best year in in college after the 2022 season he bulked up put on 20 pounds and slid inside uh, on a bit more of a full-time basis um i I think that I think this that showed he's better used on the inside on the defensive line in 2023 he had four sacks with 35 hurries that followed up a season in 2022 with two sacks and 40 hurries like we're, I mean, compared to Newton, who jumps off the screen in terms of pass rushing, he had 28 hurries and 36 hurries. Like Brandon Dorless, in terms of what he showed um, in terms of getting to the quarterback, did so at an extremely high rate. Pretty consistent PFF grades throughout his three years in the mid to high 70s. Six batted balls at the line of scrimmage in 2023. So he maybe didn't, maybe not as thick as other defensive tackles at 285, 290, depending on what he's listed at. But he uses his height and his length um, in terms of getting to the quarterback and also in batting the ball down. Um, He jumps off the screen to me as just a powerful and violent tackler. The guy just gets up in your face and puts you on the ground. He punished Michael Penix in that first Washington game um, in the regular season to the point where, you know, we just talked about Two guys I have ranked over over doorless. We have Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat. They got the same matchup against Michael Penix come college football playoff time. Neither of those guys caused the havoc that Brandon Dorless did the first time he met Washington. The second time he didn't make he didn't really make as much noise. Um, but the first time he played Washington, he even I think kind of injured Penix and hurt his ribs. Not that that's like a positive or anything, but he was after Penix all day long more than anybody else on that Oregon defense, and he was the guy who stood out to me more than anybody else on Oregon in that game. Funny thing about him too, he was being projected as kind of a day two pick last year as you know a fringe edge d tackle prospect went inside had his best year had you know 40 hurries and he's kind of the exact same spot he was last year fringe day two guy um i'm surprised that his kind of draft stock wasn't improved at all all right uh have you watched him much where does he fall onto your big board day two uh i mean all the points that mark just said you know Bit of a tweener, you know, he's a versatile uh, defensive lineman. Um, so he has to kind of go to like a multiple defense, uh, a defense that, you know, wants to kind of move him around a little bit. You know, he's very slight, um, but you, you love the measurables uh, in terms of the height and the length and, and things like that. But he wasn't on my list. Um, he's not a guy that I've looked in 
considerably. Uh, but I would be shocked to see him pass, fall past day two um, at this point. But, um, yeah, I, the, these tweeners kind of give me pause. I don't know how he's going to hold up against the run uh, at the NFL level, uh, those kind of things. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a bit of the same conversation we had, like, last year with Tuli Tuipilotu, of, like, what position is he going to play? And uh, Tuipilotu worked out pretty well for the Chargers. He had a pretty good rookie season. Uh, so uh, it's just all – I mean, with any player, it's all about the fit and where they land, but especially for some of the guys like Dorlos who are kind of tweeners. You have to land in the right spot with the right coach who has the right vision for how they want to develop you, especially for someone ask you to gain weight to play inside or we ask you to cut weight. We're trying to like mold your body the way we want it to fit this position. Like and if that coach gets wrong, uh, it sets your career back. And so it's really important for everybody, but especially for these tweeners that they land in the right spot with the right coach, with the right vision. And so that'll be a big thing for him, uh, I think, as we move forward. So let's go to uh, my number four guy. Uh, my number four guy is Rook or Orhoro. I said that wrong. Rook or Orhoro. There we go. I've practiced it. I get tongue-tied every time. He's out of Clemson. Uh, he was a three-star recruit out of high school uh, who actually only played football starting his junior year. He moved from Lagos, Nigeria, uh, which is actually where my eldest daughter is from. So little connection there. Uh, moved from Lagos, Nigeria to Michigan uh, as a kid. He played basketball and was a wrestler before he picked up football as a junior in high school. And people that have followed my draft stuff know that I love it when linemen have a wrestling background. Uh, because it just shows up so much in their techniques and hand placement. But he only played 113 snaps across 2019 and 2020 uh, before he played 504 snaps in 2021. Uh, he had 36 tackles, two and a half sacks. Uh, in 2022, he had, uh, excuse me, in 2023, he had 23 tackles and four sacks. So he's 6'4", which is 74th percentile, but he's only 290, which is, 15th percentile so he's kind of tall and i mean it's not skinny but it's not not heavy for a defensive interior defensive lineman um as a fifth year senior this year he had 25 tackles five sacks and 26 pressures his uh pff grade was a 75.8 he had a 78.6 run stop grade i think he's got really impressive upper body strength uh he can win with power as a bull rusher or a drop anchor against the run that Again, that high school wrestling background shows up in his understanding of leverage, his techniques, like how he can position his body to wall off an offensive lineman and to generate leverage against him is one of his strengths. Now, he's also got really good quickness. He can fire off the ball and shoot gaps and attack space. And I think he's above average, like moving laterally as well. However, uh, his weaknesses are about what you would expect with the guy that's Still, I, I mean, I would say relatively new to football. Two years of high school, five years of college. Uh, didn't grow up playing football. He's got inconsistent hand strikes and placement. Uh, he doesn't really have a counter to his bull rush. There's been improvements in these areas over his college career, but he's still a raw player. He doesn't uh, anticipate double teams coming well. And because of that, when they do come and he didn't expect it, he doesn't have the lower body strength to overcome those and not get moved. Like, don't take that to mean he's weak. He's just it take it would take a lot of strength 
to get blindsided by a double team and not get moved. And, and he doesn't have that. And he doesn't see those double teams coming a lot of times. And so you can move him uh, with double teams. I, I still think he's a day two guy. Um, I think he fits best in an odd front. If you put him as like a four eye or a five technique, uh, he could be a three technique and an even front too, but I think he definitely would need to add some weight there. Uh, I think he's an interesting guy. Uh, I'm really interested to see, you know, again, newer guy to the game uh, with some good coaching. He's got some potential to develop, but he is very much a developmental piece on the interior of the defensive line. Uh, do either of you guys have any thoughts about him that you want to throw out there before we move on to uh, the next guys? Just raw, uh, you know, needs to increase his consistency. Um, he was a guy that I was, he was among my breakout players list uh, last off season, you know, with Brian Brzee, uh, going to the NFL last year, I thought he was going to have a big, big year. Didn't didn't exactly translate, especially with that entire Clemson team. Um, they were kind of all disappointing in some respects. So, um, but yeah, extremely raw. Needs to further develop his technique. Um, but the talent is all there. Uh, I see him more of a top of day three kind of guy. Uh, that's just where I'm at. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, your final guy here, Dibes. Uh, talk to me about Chris Jenkins. Yeah, we got to have Michigan on here. I mean, just a historic run defensive squad. Uh, and yeah, Chris Jenkins is an elite run defender. Um, you know, son of a former NFL All-Pro, um, explosive athlete off the snap, both laterally and vertically. Um, routinely commands double teams, really was the heart and soul of that Michigan defense. Um, you saw him, you know, bust up, uh, bust open in a lot of holes um, uh, in, in big moments. Uh, Chris Jenkins is off the field, immeasurable. Uh, he's a leader. Um, he's on the field, uh, just a monster. Uh, he has really good functional strength. He's an effective B gap defender from day one. Uh, he's one of your guys that like uh, is your high floor kind of guys. Uh, I think he's going to be a rotational defensive lineman from the jump in the NFL. He was part of Bruce Feldman's physical freak list, um, but I never truly saw it on tape. Um, he was more of a physical kind of interior defensive lineman than like an uber athlete that was always kind of my take on this guy um obviously uh he needs to grow as a pass rusher um he he um i think it's worth the investment you know like moro ajomo like he, you know what you're going to get with chris jenkins from day 1 um it's a he's a good run defender he has a high floor uh there uh, he has some pass rush upside that is going to need a couple years at the NFL. Just not a complete player at this point. Does not have an elite pass rush moveset. Um, and I probably would say he's probably a day two guy. Uh, but I felt remiss to not have Michigan on this defensive ta on this defensive tackle ranking uh, because he was so important to just a historic defense. Uh, so that's a little bit on Chris Jenkins. 
All right. And Mark, I believe he was on your list too. Down at number five, he was number four for dives. Uh, do you got anything you want to add in about him? Yeah, I, I, I like that you kind of know exactly what you're getting. Uh, when it comes to Chris Jenkins, he had pretty identical seasons the last two years, like almost identical PFF grades, same amount of sacks each year, the same amount of hurries each year, um, can, you know, comparable analytic numbers. feels like I think Dives nailed it with a high floor comment. My, I think he probably has a pretty low ceiling. Um, I don't think he's this guy that you're drafting with crazy high upside. I guess you could say, you know, with his with the bloodline, the lineage of his father being like an NFL all pro, maybe there is some untapped potential there at the next level. But um, I think that you're drafting a guy who, you know, is at, you know, at worst, a rotational defensive lineman. Um, and at best, I think he's a really solid starter. But I think he's pretty locked in to at least be a, a solid NFL pro. All right. So that. Cops or caps are top five. Uh, so for, uh, we all have the same one and two, Johnny Newton, Byron Murphy, the second from three to five. I had Leonard Taylor, the third Rook uh, or horror horror. Gosh, I'm going to say that wrong every time. Rook, I'm going to, I need to practice in front of the mirror again. Rook or horror horror. I can't get that second H in there. And Devondre sweat. Uh, Mark had number three, Devondre sweat. Number four, Brandon Dorless. Number five, Chris Jenkins. And then Dives had number three, Leonard Taylor, the third, number four, Chris Jenkins, and number five, Tavondre Sweat. So that takes you through our top five interior defensive linemen. Uh, but before we get out of here, we're going to throw it around the horn, give you some honorable mention. Maybe it's a day three guy we like. Maybe it's a big run-stuffing uh, run nose tackle. Maybe it's a guy maybe we want the Eagles to take or a guy that just missed. Uh, Dives, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, who do you want to give an honorable mention and shout out to? Yeah, if you're going to like follow the breadcrumbs and say, you know, the Eagles always try and draft Georgia players. Nazir Stackhouse is one. Um, you know, he, he's definitely a talented defensive tackle. Um, McKinley Jackson is a name to know. But the guy I want to talk about is one of the Ohio State defensive players that actually decided not to return to the Buckeyes in 2024. And that is Michael Hall Jr. Um, kind of a lot similar to a lot of the guys we already just talked about. A bit of a tweener. He's a versatile defender. Um, he, he has that tweener body type that he's got a lot of technique to learn at the next level. He's very raw. Um, I think he could be a day two selection if he tests really well uh, through the draft process. Um, but if the pieces all come together, Michael Hall Jr. might be one to watch out for. All right. Uh, Mark, anybody you want to give an honorable mention shout out to? Yeah, I, Dwayne Carter uh, is a guy who apparently killed the Senior Bowl um, today, the first day we're, we're recording on uh, Tuesday, which was the first day of the Senior Bowl. Dwayne Carter, 6'3", 305 from Duke. A little bit disappointing, 2023, um, when it came to Carter. Only two sacks. Um, his hurries were cut almost in half. I mean, his sacks fell 75%, but that's because his 2022 was incredible. He had an 86.3 PFF grade in 2022, eight sacks on 39 hurries, um, and, and then that fell to only two sacks with 18 hurries um, in, in 2023 with only a 70 PFF grade. So really kind of fell off the off the face of the, the earth there a little bit. And You look at the the – the analytics is pass rush win rate really bad is run stop rate really bad run defense grade not good pass rush grade not good like not really not a good 2023 for Dwayne Carter but 
if you want to watch the 2022 tape and you want to bet on that, I think that that's, you could make worse bets because he was definitely dominant in 2022. All right. I want to give an honorable shout out to a guy that doesn't have 2022 tape to watch. Uh, that's Mason Smith out of LSU. He's a really hard guy to evaluate because he's missed so much football. So he was a four-star recruit, played 350 snaps for LSU as a freshman in 2021. And he had a good season, 19 tackles, four sacks, 16 pressures. He was a freshman All-American. There was buzz around him being like a first-round talent going into 2022. In 2022, he only played eight snaps before he tore his ACL and a meniscus in the season opener, celebrating a tackle for loss with a teammate. He jumps, he hits the ground, tore the ACL. Uh, So you get to 2023, and he was suspended for the season opener for receiving an improper benefit from a pre-NIL autograph signing. Uh, The NCAA is going to NCAA. But uh, after that suspension, he, he played 532 snaps, had 27 tackles, two and a half sacks, 23 pressures. He batted down two passes. Um, but he's just never like, – it was a bit of a disappointing year, if we're being honest. Like This is a guy that people thought could be like a first-round type guy, and now people are like late day two, maybe early day three. There's just a lot of unknowns. So uh, he made Bruce Feldman's freak list. Uh, he, he clocked 19 and a half miles per hour on GPS – and he can touch 11 feet in a standing vertical jump, according to Feldman. Um, he's got good agility, a high motor. He's got a really good spin move, uh, good length. He's 98th percentile height. Uh, he's got power, but he, he's got inconsistent pad level, and that's magnified because of his height. It, it reduces the effectiveness of his bull rush, causes him issues dealing with double teams. Uh, he tends to stop his feet when he makes contact, which – lends itself to those double team issues as well. And so he basically needs to win on like his initial surge and overwhelm you or he gets stonewalled. He just struggled to do that this year. So he's an interesting guy because there was a lot of hype around him. And sometimes there's a lot of hype around guys and it dies out and they just don't live up to it. Sometimes there's exceptionally bad circumstances. I'm surprised that Smith went declared for the draft after 2023. I'm surprised he didn't go back for another season at LSU. I think he could have probably benefited his draft stock by doing so. But uh, So he's going to be out in the draft. I'll be really interested to see throughout the combine and interviews and all that stuff, What, which arrow, you know, if he gets the up arrow or the arrow down in his draft stock because he's intriguing, but he's a tremendously difficult evaluation. So, all right. That is going to wrap it up uh, for this episode of the BGN Draft Show, breaking down our top five interior defensive linemen. Uh, We won't have another positional ranking show for a couple of weeks. Uh, Next week, we're going to talk Senior Bowl wrap-up, winners and losers. The following week, we're going to do our first Eagles mock drafts, and we will be back on the position rankings the week after that. So we will get through every position, uh, leading you up to the draft. We'll do a combine show, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, so keep it tuned here to the BGN feed. Smash that subscribe button so you get all the shows on the feed. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter. I'm at Shane Half NFL. Dive is at Mr. Crockpot. And Mark is at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. We will catch you guys next week for another episode of the BGN Draft Show.